We're going to read from the scriptures this morning now, and our reading is the one indicated on the board there. So, First Samuel and chapter 17. First Samuel and chapter 17. What I want to do today, God willing, is to spend the day in this particular chapter and surrounding thoughts. And um, so I, I half-jokingly said to, to Keith the, the other day, um, this morning will be the longest introduction to David and Goliath you've ever heard. But um, so I hope that doesn't frighten you. But um, that's what we're going to do. We just spend this, this, this morning looking at this chapter in one way. And then we'll open it up again, uh, God willing, uh, this evening. So... Here we are, um, the Philistines, um, a long-standing problem um, for the people of Israel. And uh, we've already seen Samson raised up to, to begin dealing with them. Uh, Saul has been fighting them for many years. And then chapter 17, uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. So it's quite a lengthy reading. And... Um, We'll have a shorter reading uh, this evening. But let's read the whole uh, of uh, the chapter. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Socho, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Socho and Azekar in Ephes Damin. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had greaves of bronze upon his legs. And a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to, to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ethrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three elder sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the name of his three sons who were, uh, went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. 
But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See how your brothers fare and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him towards another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they were repeated them before Saul. And he sent for, for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and killed him. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, 
The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armour. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword over his armour and he tried in vain to go, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I am not used to them. And David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag or wallet. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and comely in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the name of the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and took over the Philistine, stood over the Philistine, and took out his sword and drew it from its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shear Aim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the Israelites came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armour in his tent. Amen. We'll leave the reading there. So if you could have your Bibles open at this long passage that we read together, First Samuel and 17, the, uh, one of the most best known, the most famous of the stories 
in, in our scriptures, David and Goliath. And what I want us to do this morning is to focus our minds and our attention upon looking and listening. Looking and listening. So, here we are. We have David and Goliath. And we need to go deeper than just to see this as a great adventure story um, and uh, this idea that, that if, we have, if we have big faith, we can do big things against big opposition. Okay? Where does the writer begin? Where does the writer begin? Here in chapter 17. Now, the Philistines. And so we would focus our attention, have us to look at the Philistines. Now, you know the history. Most of you will know it very well indeed. The history of this Philistine nation and their opposition to the people of Israel. Um, back in Judges chapter 13, we see that uh, Samson is raised up to begin to deliver the people from the Philistines. That's where it begins, with Samson. Judges chapter 16, um, Samson dies by pulling down the temple of Dagon upon the heads of the Philistine people. Many people are killed and the the threat of the Philistines is quietened for a time. Then we get into Samuel and uh, we find that Saul is raised up as a king. And it's, it's his duty and business as king to be opposing those who oppose the nation. He is to defend the nation. And he begins to do that work. But... Saul is always it's what I call the nearly man. Whenever he's given something, he never quite gets the job done properly. Um, you know, those, those dreadful workmen that come and, and, and they say, I've, I've done, and they think, no, you haven't. You, this isn't done, that isn't done, you haven't tidied up, you haven't, we're going to call you back because you haven't done it. He's the nearly man. He never quite get the job, gets the job done. And we see that. Uh, it particularly in 1 Samuel 14, where Jonathan attacks the Philistine gar garrison. And we don't have a major defeat of the Philistines because Saul uh, intervenes and says no one can eat be before everything's finished. Well, the army marches on its, on its stomach, doesn't it? And then we get to chapter 17. And once again, once again, all those, as these years have rolled by, once again, here we are, the the Philistines have arisen again and this time the threat is worse and bigger than ever before. And it's at this point that David is anointed as king. Now do you see the timing of all of this? The rise of the Philistines, the failure of Saul and the anointing of David. What we're seeing here is now the Philistines, yes, Yes, they're camped in Judah. Yes, they are attacking the people of Israel. But God is at work. Samuel, the previous chapter, sees all the disaster of Saul. And the Lord says, don't grieve for him. The nation is safe in my hands. That's what God tells him. Yes, it looks, you're looking on the outward appearance of things. But I'm working, I'm moving, says the Lord God. I've got all this in control. God is always on the move. He's always active. Always moving forward. 
The Lord God in this instance will deliver from the hand of the Philistines. And our job, like Samuel's, is to try and keep up with what the Lord is doing. Yes, we look around us and we see all kinds of problems and difficulties. Things that would disturb our peace of mind and of heart. And where's God in this? Well, God is with us. God is watching over us. God is working out his purposes for us individually as churches and as a world. Jesus Christ has been made head over all things, all things for the church. And so we need to keep an eye on the Lord as we see what's going on in our individual lives, in our church life and in our national and international life. And so the writer says, look at the Philistines. We're looking and see, look at the Philistines. And then the writer says, look at this Philistine. Look at this one in particular, Goliath. Look at him. The size of him. Mesmerising, isn't he? Our eyes are drawn to him. Very impressive. Frightening. Terrifying. Nine feet six inches tall. So you take a normal door. And you put half on again. That's how tall he is. Some of my, one of my close friends at Chalden, he, he plays rugby professionally. And at our holiday Bible club, he brought some of his mates along. One guy came, he filled the doorway. He just, just literally filled the doorway. But he's a midget compared to, to Goliath. We're adding half a door on again. This man is immense. Strong. Ferocious. His armour alone weighs nine stones and if I'd done the conversions right that's 57 kilos the head of his spear 16 pounds in old money 7.25 kilos in modern currency and the Israelite army they look at him it's all about looking and listening they look at him and they run away now the writer's been a bit naughty with us here hasn't he Okay, he's made us fix our eyes on Goliath. He's given us this great list for us to look at and think about and see and take note of. He's been a bit naughty, hasn't he? When the people wanted a king, they looked at Saul and they said, wow, he looks the job, head and shoulders above everybody else. It was a disaster, wasn't he? And then Samuel is told to go and and find another king and anoint another king. Go to Jesse. Go to his family. And what happens? He starts to bring all the sons in. And Eliab comes in. And he's the first one to come in. And Samuel looks at him and thinks. Surely look at him. He looks like a king. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. What does the Lord say? The Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So our, our writer, he's been quite naughty with us, isn't he? We fall into the trap. We learn the lesson in chapter 16. Oh yes, we mustn't look on the outward appearance. 
And then the, the writer in chapter 70, he sets it up for us to look at Goliath. We think, wow, look at the size of him. The Lord's looking at Goliath in a very different way. And we will see that David looks at him too. So have we learned the lesson? Has it sunk in? Some months back on our book table, a very aggressive young lady came with her cropped hair and her boots. Sour long face. She marched up to our book table. She turned everything over, photographed it all, photographed us and walked off. It's quite intimidating. It is quite intimidating, isn't it? And afterwards we talked about that. We thought, you know what? Who knows? She, she's photographed. Who knows when she reads that literature? Maybe just the Lord will use something that she's photographed, you know, to, to turn her heart. Do the same with her open air work. People come and photograph the board. And we've no idea why. Sometimes it's Christians saying, oh, this is great. I'll, I'll photograph all of this and then I'll, I can look at it later because I can't stop. I'm shopping. Sometimes it's people in opposition. We know that. And they stick it up on their website. Look at these dreadful Christians. Well, what they're doing is they're doing a complete gospel outline and they're posting it all to all their friends. Who knows? Who knows what the Lord is doing through that? So we don't look on the outward appearance or we shouldn't. We shouldn't look on the outward appearance. Who knows what the Lord's doing behind the scenes in the heart. So we've looked at the Philistines. We've looked at this Philistine. Now let's listen to him. Chapter 17 verses 8 to 10. Listen to the words of this man. Chapter 17 verses 8 to 10. Why have you come to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servant. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and servers. Verse 10. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. That's it. Let's listen to this man. Once we hear those words, we know he's finished. Once we hear a man speaking like that, we know he's finished. Okay. To mock Israel is to mock the Lord's God. To mock the people of God is to mock God himself. And the word, mock, uh, the word defy is right throughout the chapter. As I'm speaking to you now. Verse 10. Verse 25, verse 26, verse 36, and verse 45. Defy, defy, defy. David has it, has it right here. David has the right balance. He doesn't look on the size of the man, but he rightly assesses the words of the man. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Verse 26. Who does he think he is? He has no idea. David doesn't tremble before a mere man and nor should we. And those who exalt themselves are in big, big trouble. Pharaoh. When Moses goes to Pharaoh, what happens? Pharaoh sets himself up as God. He exalts himself. And, and uh, he defies the Lord God of Israel. He says to Moses, who is the Lord? Never heard of him. Why should I care? 
throughout the scriptures we see men, particularly men, behaving like this. Some terribly wicked women as well. Remember as a young man, um, uh, Muhammad Ali broke on the scene. Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay at first. We'd never seen anything like it, us young lads. This tall, athletic, handsome Matt, so light, he was, so, he was light on his feet as a boxer. Sorry, if you don't know, he was a world champion boxer, okay. It's a long time ago now. Um, but it was so impressive, so impressive. Um, I am the greatest. It was only when I became a Christian later on, I thought, oh, you can't say that. You're in trouble, pal. You're in trouble. Once you set yourself up like that, you're in trouble. Adolf Hitler He set himself up as a messianic figure to the people of Germany. He had the Bible retranslated so that Bible passages had his name inserted in the text. When people sang their carols at Christmas, the name of the Lord Jesus was replaced by the name of Hitler. Once a man does that sort of stuff, you know he's finished. You know he's finished. And we ought to tremble for such people. Not tremble before them, but tremble for them. Because God is not mocked. God is not mocked. And this world's history tells us so. And so we know that Goliath is finished. And soon we will know that David, as the Lord's anointed, um, will, will, will attack this man and sort out the insult this insult, says David, must be answered. So now we begin to look and listen to David. Let's do so by asking, where is everybody? Forty is the number of judgment. For forty days, this man has come and defied the ranks of the living God. Forty is the number of judgment. Forty years in the wilderness and so on. Verse 16. Um, David went back and forth to Saul to keep his father's sheep. For forty days this Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. Where is everybody? They see the Philistine and they run. Where is Saul? He's meant to be the king. He should have been at the front. The king led the battle in those days. He's not there. Where's Jonathan? I don't know. He wasn't at the front fighting this Philistine, was he? And here is this great warrior. And David will as Saul, this great warrior, as David will later testify... But the arm of strength and a sword will only take you so far. Where is everybody? Everybody is dismayed, verse 11, and, and greatly afraid. The chapter begins, now the Philistines. Verse 12, it switches to now David. And suddenly the tension drops. Have you noticed that in the chapter? Suddenly the, the, the um, tension drops. The writer introduces David and it's all so leisurely. Uh, David is a shepherd boy 
and he's going backwards and forwards to his, between his dad and, and his brothers. Uh, and he's, um, we've even got a, a grocery list. Uh, he, he's going to take this, these groceries to, to, to the brothers and these groceries to the commander of the thousand. And suddenly, the, it's all, the tension's dropped and, and, and all the rest of it. And we're introduced to David. Jesse has eight sons. David is the youngest. We can go too far with numbers, but eight is the start, is the number of a new beginning. Seven is complete and full. Creation day, creation week, seven days. Eight, eighth day starts a new beginning, doesn't it? And with the eighth son, the Lord God will make a new beginning. He's starting again with David. And so it's David who takes center stage. He's seen and he's heard Goliath. And what's so special about verse 26? It's the first time that David speaks. Or it's the first time we hear him speak. And David has a true spiritual grasp of the situation. Verse 26. David said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine takes away the reproach from Israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. This disgusting, unclean, pagan man who has mocked the ranks of the living God. David will take him on and will destroy him. David has looked at the situation and he's assessed it as a godly man. He has um, looked at it theocentric, theocentrically, God-centred. Sorry, my tongue's getting tired this morning, you, you will do apologise. Theocentric, okay, theocentric. Thank you. Someone said that's easy for you to say. Um, okay, but... Here is the, and he's looking at it with God at the centre of all things. And we need to do the same. When we see a situation, where is God in this? How is God to be seen in the centre and, and, the, and the middle of it? All events are to, be, um, are, are to be viewed in such a way. Whether they are political, whether they are economic, whether they are social, whether they're domestic, whether they're medical... Or whether they're educational. We put God in the centre. Theocentric. Get God there in the centre. Put God in the centre where he belongs. And we assess and weigh up everything. People, situations, circumstances. The days of the week. Everything we put God in the centre. Where does God fit into all of this? And it's the same for us, isn't it? Our leisure... Our gifts, our money, our time, our energy, our reaction to a medical problem, our reaction to a financial opportunity. Everything is viewed from a spiritual point of view. In the end, nothing is secular. Everything is theocentric. How do we assess Christians? We assess them not by how long they say they've been a Christian, but how they live. How they speak. I was um, listening to a friend uh, the other day. Came to preach uh, at Chalton. And I was just so taken up. So taken up. Not with the message. But with the man. 
There's a godliness about him just shone through. His prayers were, were special. And the word came to us with a clarity and a simplicity and a power. There was an authority there. It was all about the man. Um, we, we assess people by their character. How they walk with the Lord. So, we've listened to, da- to Goliath. And we've listened to David. Now David's got to listen to his brothers and to Saul and to Goliath. And each in a different way is challenging David in this issue. Eliab can't cope with his younger brother. Are you jealous? Why have you come here? It's, it, it's, it's, it's an insight into the family. Isn't it? Two brothers arguing and chaffing against one another. The older brother really brassed off because the younger brother's turned up. Why have you come? Go back to your few sheep. Very, un- very unhappy. But David refuses to be cowed. Criticism, rebuke, mocking of, of relatives can be very difficult to bear. Those of us who have um, Christian families, how wonderful that is. But those of us who don't, it can be so difficult. Who do you think you are telling us we're sinners? Wow, that's a... Between the eyes, isn't it? Okay. And here, David has to overcome the mocking, the rejection of his brother. Then he's brought before Saul. And now he's got to reject the advice that this man gives him. Kits him out with his armour, verses 38 and 39. Well, David is a young lad. Still a young lad. And Saul, remember, he's head and shoulders above everybody else in the nation. And he's putting David's helmet on his head and David, uh, uh, his own helmet on his head uh, and his armour upon David. Now I'm not the smallest man in the world and Keith Rangles is not the biggest. But imagine if I'd not brought a jacket to stand before you this morning and it's there, right? I said, oh Keith, can I borrow your jacket? Well, I'd look stupid, wouldn't I? He's a much bigger man than me. You know, we used to say to our children when we put put the... you buy, you buy the new school uniform, turn the sleeves off, it'll, 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 it'll do for two or three terms, you'll, you'll grow into it. But poor David, he's swamped by, this, unit, by this, this outfit that he's, he can barely move. His protection is from the Lord. His strength is in the Lord, not in the armour of someone else. And then thirdly, The fearsome threats of Goliath. If David fails here, he will be responsible for the death of the whole army and for the overrunning and the invasion of his nation, which will surely follow. But if he listens to Goliath, he won't do anything. So, neither uh, mocking, neither advice, neither the threats of worldlings determine our actions for God. Okay, we listen to the world, we listen to others, we, will, we won't do anything. We won't do anything. But if we listen to the Lord and follow in obedience to his word, then we will do mighty things for the Lord. And so, let's listen again to David. His words are reported to Saul and he's brought before Saul, verses 32 to 37. Verse 11, the people are in fear and distress. Verse 32, here's the true king speaking. Verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. 
Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Your servant, O king, has been shepherding sheep for his father for years. And he explains that there's been a constant threat both to the, him as shepherd and to the sheep he looks after. Regular, regular attacks by lions and bears. And he has, in the Lord's strength, rescued the lamb from the jaws of those beasts. If that beast turned upon him, David would simply club it to death. And he says, they are the enemies of the sheep. It's part of the job to get rid of them. And this Philistine is no more than a beast. He's no more than a predator. And David steps forward as the true shepherd, as the true king to protect Israel, the flock. And it has to be. For Goliath has mocked the ranks of the living God. And David is the Lord's anointed. So David is not relying upon his own position. He's not relying on, uh, on any outward um, help. He's relying on the Lord alone here. Verse 37. Verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. By faith. He has in Lord, in the Lord, he believes that the Lord will keep him and deliver him. David has learned things out in the wilderness, looking after those few sheep. And it tells us, doesn't it, that what we learn and what we do and what we achieve in the quiet place will prepare us for a more public usefulness. Okay. I was once um, at a conference, um, there was a brother, great respect for him, it was quite a big conference, some good speakers on the platform, and uh, we were talking with him and he said, how did you get onto that platform? I was shocked, <laughs> no thank you, I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit with the rank and file, you know, but how do you get onto the platform? Well it's by being a godly man in quiet and private. It's by, it's by working alone in those silent places. David was only going to conquer Goliath because he'd learned to trust upon the Lord out in the wilderness, in the loneliness, the place where he was alone and where no one else was. And once that is in place, we're able to say what God has done for us in the past will sustain our faith in the present and into the future. Our God does not change. God will help me in these small things. God will help me in the larger things. And then even in the bigger things. Oh dear friends this morning. What are you doing for the Lord? What were you able to do five years ago? Ten years ago? And what can you do now? And what will you be able to do five years hence? Challenging isn't it? Challenging. Challenging. Daniel 11. The people who know their God shall do, um, shall stand firm and take action. They will do exploits. So there we are. We've more or less drawn to a, a conclusion. Tonight I want to look at um, uh, th this again uh, in a little slightly different uh, detail. But here we are. Here's David. 
and he takes his stone and he runs towards the battle line. Um, when we were on holiday some years ago uh, over in the Isle of Man, we went to Laxey Beach. It's all entirely made up of stones, pebbles. And we looked at these and I thought, ooh, David stones. Round stones, two inches, three inches in diameter. 100 miles an hour. Um, uh, and you know the outcome. <laughs> you know the outcome when that stone goes into, into Goliath's head. Um, the tallest man in the world. Right. And he ends up on his face, on the ground, before David. Before the Lord's anointed. Remember when the ark was captured? 1 Samuel chapter 5. The Philistines captured the ark. And they took it away and they put it in the um, temple of Dagon. So, uh, the, the, the god Dagon. So that the, the, the god could see the trophy that they brought him. They left it there overnight. What did they find in the morning? Dagon had fallen face down before the ark. His head was cut off and his hands were cut off as well. It was a picture. It was a token of defeat. Dagon the god is defeated before the ark of the Lord. It's a picture of defeat and of obeisance. Worship, falling down to worship. Goliath is just like that. He'll fall down before, um, uh, before the um, before the, the Lord God. And um, verse 43. Goliath has cursed David by his gods. Dagon was one of those gods. And David is unarmed. And he goes to the man armed with a sword and a spear and a javelin. He goes to Goliath in the name of the Lord. The Lord Sabaoth. Which means the Lord of hosts. The Lord of the hosts of armies. And, and Goliath ends up like his God. And it's the destiny of all those who will defy, who will disobey and who will disregard the Lord. It's that that I want to close really. Because um, th th this is an awful thing, isn't it? We are those, we are surrounded by those who defy the living God. We are surrounded by those who disobey, distinctly and deliberately disobey. But there are also those, they don't do either of those, but they do disregard. And even in Christian families, we, we see people living within Christian families. We're not believers within the Christian family. They don't defy, they don't disobey, they just simply disregard. They disregard. And that is an awful thing to do before the living God. They disregard. And dear friends today, I must finish with this, with reminding you that today is the day of gospel, not of judgment. Today is the day of, of gospel opportunity to hear, to take note and to respond to the wonderful, beautiful offer of the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't disregard don't disregard, but surrender to the Saviour and come to him. Give him your life as you know you should. And grant God grant that he will give you that new life that only he can give. The day of, of, of judgment is coming. It is coming. And it will be a day that is awful uh, for all those who defy, who disobey and those who have simply disregarded. So heed the warning, there is time, there is opportunity to, to come to the Saviour, to put aside 
um, all your disregarding of him and surrender to him uh, and serve him while there is time. Well, the Lord bless you uh, in, in all of that. Amen. Amen.